Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The Syrian refugee issue in this country, it has generated a tremendous amount of conversation, a tremendous amount of debate, a tremendous amount of empathy for people in Syria who are fleeing the uh, devastation they're, they're encountering. There are also questions about the security, um, which is in place. Is it enough security? There's, there's so many issues that are being dealt with that I'm so glad I have my two guests coming up now, because they're the ones we go to on issues such as this for their expertise and uh, their involvement with you when you call in. The uh, the guests are Martin Collicott, former Canadian ambassador to Syria and other places like Lebanon. And Martin spent a lot of time in the Middle East. Martin, good to have you back. Thank you very much, Roy. Richard Curland is one of this country's most prominent immigration lawyers. And as we've told you before, he has advised both the federal government and the government of Quebec on immigration matters. Mr. Curland, it's great to talk to you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Let me start with this, and, and I'll ask you for it. Well, no, let me just ask you, before I bring up any specific points or, or numbers or questions that have to do with what we've been hearing over the last few weeks, actually since the middle of the election campaign, let me have your assessment of what's going on, what the federal government is doing, what the need is, whether we're approaching this appropriately, inappropriately, um, how you would do it differently, or if you're satisfied, tell us if you're satisfied. Martin, I'll start with you. Please. Well, one of the things that came out last week was the fact that a fairly large majority of uh, Syrian refugees in Lebanon and uh, Jordan, when approached to come to Canada, said they weren't interested. And this must come as a surprise to Canadians because uh, we've been told the great rush to get them all here is because they're so desperate and we can't wait another minute. Um, Doug Saunders in the Globe and Mail uh, states that only 6.3% of those approached were interested in coming here. It meant over 90% aren't interested. And he, he himself is interesting because he wants to get bring in as many refugees and immigrants as possible, get our population up to 100 million. And strangely, he says the reason that Syrians don't want to come here is that Canada's not good at attracting newcomers because we're so cold and unwelcoming. That probably comes as a surprise to many of your listeners. But just to compare it quickly to what other countries are doing, we're now trying to bring in 25,000 within the next three months. Uh, President Obama says he wants to admit 30,000 to the United States over two years, with up to two years to complete security clearances. France wants to bring in 30,000 over the next two years. Britain aims to bring in 20,000 over the next five years. And Australia says it'll bring in 12,000 by 2017. Well, that's at least two years to bring in similar numbers and so they can do the security clearances, the health checks, uh, prepare for them. Why are we still trying to do it in Three months. And well, you, you're, you're, Martin, you're a former with. ambassador. You know how governments um, instruct ambassadors. Why do you think the federal government is in, in, in such a hurry? Is it, is it a situation where they say, here's a demonstrable need and we want to meet that need as quickly as possible? Or is, there, is it, as some people have suggested, an election promise that is being met? Well, I, I, the only explanation I can hmm. see is that they want to come reasonably close to their election problem, uh, promise, which they made in some haste. And uh, I don't think it's going to be good for either the refugees in terms of proper preparations being made for them or 
us trying to select them and screen them properly to do it in such haste, and nobody else is. We're, we're, we're unique in trying to do this. You know Syria. You were there as Canada's ambassador. You know what's been happening there. You have a geographical sense and a societal sense of the country that most of us do not have. How do you assess... Um, well, how do you assess the need now? You know, we see the devastation on the ground. We've heard of the barrel bombs, the chemical weapons. We've, we know a little bit about uh, the Assad regime, but not as much as you. So please provide your assessment of, of what you think is going on. Well, the country is obviously in a, in a mess. I'm not sure it'll come back to one piece as a country. Um, but in terms of the refugees... Uh, there's a lot of data showing our money can go far further helping those who are stuck in Lebanon or or uh, Jordan or, or uh, Turkey, and, and we're only going to bring in one in, in several thousand of them. Most of them are going to be stuck there. The reason why a lot of Canadians want to bring people here is they can see them firsthand, and it's more rewarding psychologically to bring them here. But if we really want to make our money go far we would be concentrating on helping those who are going to be stuck there, which is the vast majority of them. All right. Uh, Richard, uh, same question to you that I started with, Martin. Your assessment of the situation overall? Well, the overall, I see 4 million refugees. Canada has offered 25,000. I, I see the supply of visas outstripped by the demand for visas. Uh, I also see that Canada is way ahead in the game because Canada uh, was thinking ahead and created a pipeline of eligible refugees, cases that have already been vetted, cases that have connections with Canadian relatives, with cash in hand, ready to sponsor. That's why the other countries cannot do it for years ahead because they never had our values of protecting uh, the, the, the refugees. Do we know that? We did something. Do we know that, Richard? The, the UK, well, yeah. that Australia, the, the United States, this France? Is this is the difference is other countries to date have been trying to copy the Canadian success story of having private individuals instead of the government pay cash to help bring in a refugee uh, family and take care of that family for one year, the most expensive year. Other countries have not been able to do it. But it's the federal government that says it wants to bring in 25,000, right? And that's where I have a problem. Okay, hold on, gentlemen, hold on. I, have to, I, 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 just, I just have to stop because I don't, want to, I don't want to stop you when you're halfway through the answer. I have to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we will... Uh, we will Continue with uh, Ambassador Collicutt and Mr. Kurland, and then we'll include your calls as we go on. Stay with us, please. Email is Roy at RoyGreenShow.com, and uh, I'm on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Facebook page like us there, and uh, listen back anytime to anything you choose at RoyGreenShow.com in the podcast section, including this segment on Syrian refugees coming to Canada with former Canadian ambassador to Syria, Martin Collicott, with us, and immigration lawyer Richard Kurland, based in Vancouver, but he's, in, he's advised both the federal and the... Uh, Quebec governments on immigration matters. Quebec has its own immigration policies. Richard, I uh, I just want to pick up on the point that you made that Canada is better prepared than other nations for to bring refugees into the country. Why is it then that um, 
that we the government had to back off on its numbers and admitted that part of their concern is the shared concern that many Canadians had about security. That doesn't mean Canadians are hard-hearted when they talk about security. That's a pragmatic concern for many Canadians. Plus, wouldn't we have known that the, the interest in coming to Canada, if we were well prepared, wouldn't we have surmised that the number, the interest, would be as low as it turns out to be, apparently less than... 10%, 5 6 7% are expressing enthusiasm about coming to Canada? And, and everyone did. If it's 5 6 7% of 4 million, you're oversubscribed for your 20 No, no, it's 5 or 6% of the 28,000 that were originally contacted. But we still hit our numbers. We are oversubscribed. No, no, Richard. There are, there's five, so, it's 5% of the 28,000. Am I right, Martin? It's 5% of, uh, even if it's 5% of 28,000, the 28,000 raise it to 4 million, apply the 5%, and you're over the 20. No, 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 Richard, Richard, it's 18, the the numbers according to the National Post story is 1,801, or less than 5% of those the UN initially tried to contact said they wanted to come to Canada. 1,801 potential refugees wanted to come to Canada. Well, let's do it the other way. Um, I'm helping faith groups bring privately sponsored refugees right now. Right now, we are being told the queue exceeds two to three years for a new case. Could, could I uh, make a comment on this? Uh, I agree with Richard that uh, your know, family reunification is a good idea, and I think those are the people who are going to be most successful. They'll have people here to receive them, to help them, and to help them get settled. Absolutely. I think the issue is with trying to find 25,000 other people that uh, don't have any connection here, and a lot of whom don't want to come here. And uh, there's, there's a big debate going on over who they should be. Uh, many people think they should be the minorities because they're most at risk, people like Christians and Yazidis. Um, but the government is going to, in, in trying to find enough people quickly, is going to take them mostly from refugee camps, which are, are dominated by um, Islamic extremists. And we're going to get a pretty skewed selection. But they don't have time to go out and look for the uh, most threatened people. They just want to get in big numbers in a hurry. And I, I think it's a mistake. I think we should concentrate on uh, the privately sponsored, the family reunions, uh, which Richard has rightly pointed out we do a pretty good job of. Uh, but I think we've got to ask questions about simply trying to find another 25,000 with no connection with Canada, and most of whom don't seem to have a great interest. I think that the government's been great at selling this program. It's simply that the, the product it's selling is high. So what we're saying is that there aren't enough people interested to come to Canada, it appears, to meet the 25,000 number the government's put forward. Is that what you're saying, Martin? Well, I suppose if you looked long enough, you could find them. But I think we've also got to look at who we're finding and make sure that it's the most vulnerable, which is not going to happen just by going to the U.S. Okay. This is the first time, Richard, I think, and Martin, I think when it's come to refugees entering Canada, it's the first time the general population of this country has gotten very much involved in the conversation. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's the Internet that allows that to happen. In years gone by, in uh, situations like Vietnam or if it was Hungary uh, or or, or other uh, refugee-creating disasters. There wasn't the the national conversation that took place at the level that it is now. Um, that also 
enters the debate. That also creates, um, I think, government response and government reaction. Are we... Are we doing this properly, Richard? Do do we need to do what Martin suggests? We've lost Richard. Can we call him back, please? Um, wh- what do we do, Martin? Do we uh, do we do we say that we're going to now um, look at certain groups, um, uh, minorities within 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 Syria? Are, can you do that from a hum- humane perspective? We can, but it takes time because most of them are not in UN camps, which are dominated by Islamic radicals. Uh, the uh, there have been complaints in the. How United do we know that? Uh, there's been pretty f- full reports on it because very few minorities go there, and in the United States, for instance, somebody pointed out that almost no Christians have been admitted to the United States, that they're almost all Sunni Muslims. The Archbishop of Canterbury complained to the British Prime Minister that it's almost impossible for Christian refugees, even though they're among the most vulnerable, uh, to get in the stream to go to the UA, Do, UN because they're to go to the UK because they go have to go through the no, UN. No, the, no, the, question, the, the question I have, and I'm, I'm curious about this, when you say the UN camps are dominated by extremists, do we know that? Uh, that's been very widely reported, and that seems to be the case because most of the UN-sponsored refugees, uh, the vast majority, have been uh, uh, Sunni Muslims, even though uh, 25% of the Syrian population are minorities. Okay, we have Richard back. Richard, when it comes, I was just asking Martin, I was asking you, and then you disappeared, unfortunately, okay. technology let go, but uh, what do you do as far as deciding who comes to Canada is concerned? It's been a contentious issue here. It's a contentious issue in the United States. It's a contentious issue in other parts of the world. Do you say, look, this group of, of, uh, of, of refugees takes precedent over that group of refugees? Do you do that? Can you do that? Well, here's the $800 million savings. And, and with due respect to, to uh, the people running the show in Ottawa, uh, they could do a lot better. 25,000 government-sponsored refugees at the taxpayer's expense? We can kick uh, the security ball over the fence by using profiling and having uh, connections with individuals right here in Canada. What the government never predicted was the outpouring of public support uh, right here in Vancouver. Uh, we have uh, people who are queuing up to see what they can do. A pilot project uh, run by Bishop Melissa Skelton of the Vancouver Area Anglican Diocese, along with Rabbi Dan Moskowitz of Temple Shalom, are bringing in refugees that are screened. We're doing it in part ourselves, relying on the UN, uh, ensuring they have language capability by screening them ourselves through Skype. We make sure their educational credentials are first rate. We'll bring uh, nurses, uh, physicians. So we are choosing. We, I mean, in that circumstance, in that circumstance, there is a selection process underway. Take the government-sponsored label off the case. Should the government just get out of? Should the government? Richard, should the government just get out of the way? Other than making it as technically simple as possible, if you're saying that the, the, the parameters are in place, as you're describing, which includes security, which yeah. includes people who require 
our assistance and our help in Canada, and people who are, um, you know, have, have special skills that Canada yeah. would require, if all of that is in place, then maybe the government should just get out of the way, because it looks to me sometimes <laughs> like they're playing a PR campaign. Well, this is it. I mean, we, we, the, we can do this smarter for less money. When you see individuals getting together, poning up $40,000 cash in advance, uh, multiply that times 25000 uh, And this is for the first year, but, the most expensive year but this com- Canada. But, Richard, this uh, brings us back to the question, are there 25000 refugees who want to come to Canada right now. The numbers that we, that we hear from no, Canadian immigration officials look, 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 suggest that's not the case. This is a number from the National Post. Someone sent out a Twitter or an email and that wasn't responded to. Guess what? Real refugees often do not want to leave uh, where they are uh, currently residing. Well, they it's go home. yeah. It's not just the National Post. It was the Globe and Mail as well. And there were, this I believe, is, it was immigration it uh, department officials who came up with that number. It may be the first time they have heard of the phenomenon, but it always is there because okay, so, people want to go home. They don't want to leave. Yeah, no, I understand. And that's what that was one of my questions. Do people want to go somewhere else? No, they prefer to go home if their home were only there for them. That's it. That's exactly If their home were there for them. So maybe they, you know, what's been argued in many cases is we have to provide the kind of support that makes the home of the Syrian people their home again. And we are. Remember we had this discussion when the boats arrived from Sri Lanka to the shores of British Columbia? Gentlemen. The three of us had the discussion that we must, as a priority, put resources into the region and deal with the source problems. I have to ask you guys to hold on again. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Ambassador Collicutt and immigration lawyer Richard Curland, and then we'll include your call. Stay with us, please. What do we make of this uh, situation with the Syrian refugees? And uh, we've been hearing Ambassador Martin Collicott and uh, immigration lawyer Rich Curland and their thoughts, and you know the stories. Um, we have about 1,800, according to uh, news sources, Syrians who've expressed interest in coming to Canada. Federal government says 25,000 is going to be by the end of February. Um, question is, who's better equipped to bring people into this country and maintaining all the security requirements, satisfying what's necessary to create a kind of support that people have to have when they come to Canada. It's, it's essential that the support is here as well. 888-225-8255 is, um, is my uh, number. Uh, 888-225-8255. What do you make of it? What, what, what are your expectations? So uh, call us now. Ambassador Collicutt, um, we've talked about the numbers. We've talked about the requirements. We've talked about families bringing family members to Canada, which seems like the most significantly reasonable, rational way to do things immediately. Um, but then we come back to what a lot of people have, um, have brought on or talked about, and that is the security issue. You were on the ground in Syria. You know what it's like in the Middle East. Um, you know what the federal government is capable of or was capable of when you were, when you were an ambassador. Do you think that they can put in place what is necessary uh, to provide the security to satisfy the government, which in turn should be satisfactory to Canadians. What do you say, Martin? Well, there's no there's no perfect way of guaranteeing that someone won't pose a risk. Uh, but if you're bringing them in as family members or privately sponsored, I think you and concentrating on minorities, 
I think you're likely to reduce that risk considerably. But other countries are taking up to two years to screen these people. And uh, I think if uh, there are a lot of benefits from concentrating again on the family members and privately sponsored. We, For one thing, as Richard's pointed out, we'd save a huge amount of money, and the people that really want to bring in the Syrian refugees will be the ones who will support the influx, because half of Canadians have serious doubts about the program. Uh, so it would have a number of advantages. One is... Uh, making sure people get integrated, get well taken care of. This is private sponsorship family reunion, uh, that they would be successful in Canada. The government, though, still seems to be pursuing this idea of bringing in 25,000 government sponsors, and I don't think they should be stuck with that number or the scheduled. I think we should concentrate on privately sponsored. So we need to hit the reset button. Yeah, absolutely. The Richard, do you agree with that? Help. Time to hit the reset well, button and it, maybe start a communication with Canadians so so you get the population of the country behind you? Now, I'm well, not suggesting that Canadians, like I said earlier, they're not, we're, we're not hard-hearted people. But the issue of security at this particular time in our contemporary history is not something that can be ignored. People won't let you ignore it. Well, I think the government of Canada should take careful, careful consideration of Ambassador Collicott's recommendations and suggestions here. Uh, he has the experience. He was there when it counted. And so privately sponsored refugees represent a lower risk than government-sponsored. Connections to Canada lower that security risk considerably. As well, uh, I'm trying out something new. In Post-World War II, even the 60s and 70s, when we saw the refugee migrations from Uganda, Vietnam, Hungary, there was no such thing as cell phones or Skype. So what we're doing here in Vancouver is advanced integration. We have linked the wannabe sponsors with the refugees in the camps through Skype. They are receiving right now advanced training, advanced integration, so that then when they hit the airport in Canada, they're landing as not strangers. And this facilitates integration, reduces the cost, reduces security concerns. Let the private refugee sponsorships go. And how Rethink many, Richard, government. if you do that, how many refugees are you logistically uh, talking about ah. that could enter Canada? Let's say, let's take a... Let's, let's never let's set aside the government's deadline of uh, February because I think that's a mm. political deadline. Let's say any time between now and the expiration of a two-year period, which other countries have uh, have adopted, what's the number that you think could be um, manageable under the private program? And I agree with you, and I agree with Martin. Maybe the government should just get out of the way because they've turned it into a political issue, at least partially. Two words that spring to mind, hip replacement. Why? Because when you're told it's going to take four years for a hip replacement, it's not because the procedure takes four years. If you were to hire 100 more doctors and open 15 more operating theaters, it doesn't take four years. It'll take six months. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with the refugee numbers and timelines. Like I said right at the beginning of this, 
Don't spend money on more immigration officers and visa officers. Spend the resources on more intelligence people. Mm -hmm. The government has this as a priority. That's what they've done. They've allocated resources to triage uh, the good cases, secure cases, and the number and timeline after you've done that depends on how many seats you can fill in an airplane. Yeah, but they're, they're, Martin, I think they're going to go to calls in a minute at 888-225-8255, 888-225-8255, wherever you are in Canada, pitch in on this and share your thoughts. You're hearing the conversation between the three of us. I want your thoughts. But Martin, we, we're, we're, we're fixated on the 25,000 number, and that's the response. That's because of the government's uh, constant replay of 25,000. I don't well, think you know, I don't think we one, need a number. One of the ironies of all this is that before the election, the Liberals said we want to make our policies evidence based based on the facts. Mm-hmm. The other four countries I mentioned, Britain, Australia, United States, and France have got evidence-based policies. They know they're going to take up to two years. We haven't. We simply threw out a number during the election campaign, right. and now we're trying to avoid uh, being embarrassed by it. The but it, but that's, that, that's the government's view of embarrassment. Canadians wouldn't be embarrassed if somebody stepped forward. Remember when I they agree. said, we're not going to do it by the end of December, we're going to extend it? Canadians, by and large, said, good move, thoughtful move, uh, good idea, well done. It's not... It's this is all about doing it, doing things appropriately, intelligently, thoughtfully, and compassionately. Mark is in Vancouver. Mark, go ahead, please. Uh, yeah, well, I just want to make a point. Like, I mean, there's always been wars in the Middle East. Why? Why is it now? Why is it the last two years that they're basically asking the Western countries to accept this huge, which is basically a redistribution of population? I think this is going beyond. Um, any sort of a, a small refugee intake. I refer to Marie Le Pen of France um, or N- Nigel Farage. They have spoken continuously publicly but at you're, the UN. You're, saying, you're, you're asking. You're asking. You're asking. Why is there such a huge number? It's the situation that has developed on the ground in in Syria, which has created this huge number. Mark, thank you very much for your call. Uh, Martin, answer Mark's question, please. Why now? It's, it's, well, I mean, it's because uh, of the war, right? Because of the destruction. Well, it's a complicated issue in Europe because all sorts of people be, who aren't from Syria are trying to get on the bandwagon. <laughs> right, <laughs> and they're being sent back, or they're going to make out. Well, they've got efforts underway to send them back. If you bring people in, it's pretty hard to get them out again if you don't think they should stay. No, but the, you know, the German government has said they're going to use military aircraft to get them the migrants back to where they came from. But it's not; it's easier said than done. Anyway, well, his question his question was, why so many now? In the first place, that was foolish. Well, the, the difference is Canada has borders that are enforced. That, it, it ends there. And so it is a European issue because it's a European problem. It's their domestic political situation. They decided a turnstile border point entry to their continent. That's not the way we do business here in Canada. But they're not in agreement with each other. They're at each other's metaphorical throats now, different governments in Europe. Anyway, I want to come back to the Canadian issue. Uh, Mark's question was, why are there so many uh, people? It's because of the situation on the ground in Syria, right? If we just fundamentally ask why. That's why the number is so big. But a lot of a lot of the problems in Europe are simply people from all over the place, Africa and various parts of Asia, trying to get advantage, take right. advantage of the fact 
to get in illegally because they wouldn't be allowed in legally. That's the migrant. Uh, that's the economic that's the migrant, migrant component. Issue, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the good news on this. Uh, if you look over the decades at economic development, the rising tide lifts all boats. Because of global trade increasing uh, significantly, uh, the per capita distribution of income also is rising. You no longer see the mortality rates you did 20, 30 years ago. Uh, and so slowly but surely, uh, because of the improvement of economic conditions, the root causes uh, that are, that's forcing migration are, are being addressed. This stuff takes time. Yeah, well, migration and refugees, two different things. But they're, un- they're, 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 but they're under the same umbrella at the moment in Europe. I have to take a break. We'll come back with more of your calls, more of your thoughts. And Ambassador Kurland, Ambassador Kurland and uh, immigration lawyer Collicott. Well, maybe it's the other way around. We'll come right back. Stay with us. President Obama is going to be speaking to uh, the American people tonight on the issue of uh, terrorism and uh, guns. And uh, we actually called... Uh, couple of gun shops. I was thinking about whether we wanted to do this or not in California to ask them about um, gun sales. Uh, but it's been such a big story that I thought we would follow up. But we were not able to get a gun shop on the air with us. But uh, one shop did tell us that their sales have been up about 20% over the last couple of days. Um, there's a lot coming up on the show today and still ahead at the top of the next hour. We're going to speak with a psychologist who spent uh, many years as the chief psychologist at Kingston Penitentiary, and he's going to tell us one of the main areas of concern to him for radicalization is Canada's prisons. So that's just one of the things that's coming up on the show. I want to tell you this before we go back to uh, Ambassador Collicott and immigration lawyer Richard Curlin. I've, I've learned through my personal dealings with Sheriff's Hill President Michael Bentley and his Canadian team in Vancouver that they have a sincere abiding appreciation and affection for Canada's military men and women. And I've talked to Michael uh, just about our military and their contribution to Canada and Canadians. And he's so genuinely committed to the well-being of the men and women in uniform. Uh, during a recent call, Michael told me about a Sierra Sill initiative which will help you and Canadian veterans. Here's all you do. Visit sierrasill.ca or when you're on my webpage, roygreenshow.com, click on the green Sierra Sill tab. Then place your order through the Sierra Sill web store using the TPL11 code and save 11%. Michael Bentley and Sierra Sill will donate 11% to the True Patriot Love Foundation, which supports our Canadian military families where these families have the greatest of needs. So end your struggles with joint pain through all-natural, all-mineral Sierrasil, as I have for four years. Make your purchase at Sierrasil.ca using the TPL11 code. Receive an 11% saving, and 11% will go directly to the True Patriot Love Foundation. So do it today. And thank you from everyone at Sierrasil and me. Proud to be part of the Sierrasil team. On the issue of the uh, refugees coming to Canada at the Roy Green Show on Twitter, Shadow Welch writes, uh, tweets, I don't have issues with the refugees. They need our help. Here in Canada, we have homeless that need our help, too. At the Roy Green Show is our Twitter, my Twitter handle. All right, let me get this computer to reasonably uh, cooperate. God, I hate, sometimes it's a love-hate relationship, right? Sometimes you want to stroke them, and sometimes you want to... Them. Frank is in uh, Alberta. Frank, go ahead, please. Yes, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I look at immigration as a business as well as a humanitarian effort. My question, Roy, would be if 
the potential immigrants that are coming to Canada, if they had been vetted, vetted, is the government and the religious charities who are proclaiming that they have been securely vetted, are they willing to put up a liability fund in, say, a minimum of $10 million in the event that, God forbid, some terrorist event should happen to a family or a number of families in Canada? Uh, Frank, thank you for the call. I don't think we can predict any of that, but uh, what might happen. But Richard, do you want to Mm. try and answer that? I I like the concept. It's sort of like a group insurance policy. Uh, Is it workable? I'm going to look at that. But what we did not foresee is uh, the, the flow from the American side. This week, because of uh, Washington's decision to delay or not bring Syrian refugees, faith groups in the United States are raising cash and presenting cash to their northern uh, faith group affiliates for the purpose of paying to bring Syrian refugees to Canada. One of the questions that I had directed my way about faith groups sponsoring refugees was do faith groups have the same interest in security that non-faith groups have. That was a question that was raised, and it comes back to the point that people want to feel safe, and we know that ISIS has threatened to put uh, their fighters in among the refugees. There's the sec- We come back to the security issue, Martin. Well, I think that remains a major issue because uh, most of the people who we would bring here, whether privately sponsored or government-sponsored, will not present security threats. Women and children. Uh, They they just want a a better life. Uh, But a significant minority, apparently, of Syrian refugees are ISIS uh, sympathizers. Um, I don't think they're likely to set off bombs just after they arrive. It takes a while to to organize that. But I think this could filter down into uh, further generations with most of the uh, ISIS, violent uh, ISIS types in North America, more more in the United States, uh, are born here and grew up here, as the fellow in San Bernardino was, his wife wasn't. Yeah. But I think uh, we, uh, it again, means we've got to screen people quite carefully, find out what their attitudes are, and choose people who are less likely to be radicalized, again, that's partly minorities, but it's, if it's, it could be majority communities, Sunni Muslims, but have a good idea of what the risks are, at least reduce the risk okay. manageable. And, and I'm jumping in I, with apologies because uh, Ambassador Collicott, again, is perfectly right, but the root cause of radicalization here in Canada is economic concern. The unemployed youth So if you successfully integrate or select cases that have the potential of successful economic integration, you dramatically reduce the radicalization. It certainly is a a component. Now, guys, we have about 30 seconds. Are you you both comfortable or are you both concerned about security? And I'll ask you, Richard, real quick. Uh, Comfortable, mainly because Ambassador Collicott is comfortable. Well, I'm not entirely comfortable. I think I think it could be manageable, but I think we've got to do our homework. Other countries are going to do that, and I think we're rushing things. I think the numbers, the selection, and the speed with which we're trying to 
uh, right. do this program just are unrealistic. Particularly when we, particularly when we find that significant numbers, the majority have no real interest in coming into Canada, at least those that have been contacted so far. Gentlemen, it's always a privilege to talk to you both. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you all. Richard Kurland, uh, immigration lawyer in Vancouver, former Canadian ambassador to uh, Syria and Lebanon, also in Vancouver. Martin Collicott. We're back after this.